This evening, we will be discussing some very important matters relating to the criminal justice system here in Connecticut. We're going to be looking at the commutations process, specifically what it is, how it works, and the recent history of commutations as an avenue for clemency for people incarcerated right here in Connecticut. I'm excited and honored to be joined for this conversation tonight by attorney Alex Taubis and Bridgeport community member Clifford Holly. Alex and Clifford, welcome to Mic Check. Thanks for having us, Mike. This is Alex. Thank you, Mike. This is Clifford. Good evening. Good evening to you both. Thank you both so much. I just wanted to say, first of all, before we get started, it's, it's a real honor for me to be in conversation with both of you tonight. Clifford, I was wondering if you could start off by talking a bit about uh, where you grew up and what your early years were like. Okay. Okay. Um, I grew up in Bridgeport and early years, like I'm from Black Rock, um, Western area, um, by the way, PP Barnum Housing Projects. Um, I was out there. Um, the third oldest out of 10. And my mother in all one household, so, you know, like, and I grew up in the nineties. Like, so like being out in the projects, you, you see, you saw the drug trade right in front of you. And my father, he was in my life for my first five years. He had a military background, but that was prior to me being born. I know him as being a construction worker and he dabbled in the drug trade. And one of my earliest memories is actually, I remember him when Tommy he got shot in the, at the Seaside Park, and he is when he's in drug trade. Like he's some transaction, and I remember him earliest memories of him coming home from hospital and that interstate, and that sat with me throughout my life, and especially like when I eventually, you know, was dabbling in the streets and that drug trade. Like I believe I, if I remember correctly, is like. Right before my summer, before my high school freshman year, you know, so that makes me around the age of fourteen, and I, I did, I was one of ten, right? So, and I saw like it was so easy to get drugs, and I started um participating in that just for my selfish needs, you know, and that's something today. I'm obviously, you know, that's part of who. That was my early childhood, basically, and, and I eventually it led me to my incarceration at the age of 19, to which I seriously injured the individual. That's something I, I regret today, but that led to my 25-year sentence at the age of 19. First of all, I can't imagine, you know, how difficult that must have been and, and just horrible to, to you know, you know that, like you said, that, that early memory of your father being, you know, you know going through that um, and that whole, that whole situation. And, and now, you know, and now you're talking about your incarceration, your prison sentence. And so I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about, about your prison sentence and, you know, what you were feeling when you first be, uh, became incarcerated and when your sentence first began and a little bit of that, of your journey throughout your incarceration. So like I said, my incarceration started at age 19 and by the time I got sentenced, I was age of 20. And so off the rip, I'm thinking, like, I got 25 years. Like, I'm 20 years old at this time. I'm not even 25. 
I haven't been on this earth for 25 years. Like, so, like, that, that time I was so hopeless, you know? Like, and, and feeling a little lost. And in my young mind at the time, at the same time, all those emotions was a lot. It was overwhelming. And that had me thinking, I, I was, first of all, prior to this, like, I already had to think of thinking because, like, the environment I was in, the bread, so, like, my thought patterns was a little abnormal to that average 19, 20-year-old. So, receiving this sentence and being incarcerated in an abnormal environment just added to it all. And, and I, 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 so I, I came up with the mindset, like, whatever. I'm here. I, I remember early in my incarceration, I had gotten two fights, and that's when I was, like, really involved in the system, you know? It took me a few years after a while, like like four or five years, to start to like realizing like like my mid twenties and a little later, like I'm here, but just because I'm here, I don't have to be involved in this place. And I started realizing I am going to be released one day. Right? And the one thing about it, like when I came in, I had a daughter and all that stuff. So even for her sake, like I should want to become a better person my family say in, in my own, like, so after a while, after, you know, I, I, my mind, my same mind started changing. So when, when I wanted to become better, like I had to start doing the better. I had to start, you know, searching because inside prison, there are individuals that are like trying to better themselves. And so that's who I started placing myself around. I couldn't, if I want to do better, I got to get around and start doing different things. You know, being around different people. So the younger guys that was involved in, into that prison life, that prison system, I knew, like, okay, I know what that's going to get y'all, and I don't want to get the same being segregation. Because, like I told you, in my early incarceration, I, I was there a few times. Like, that's not what I want anymore. So I had to change my actions, change my – inside this, you know, and that, that's tremendously. And that's why I started taking that turn my mid-20s and later and – I and started just doing I started doing programs that the prison offers. I, I was working in there. Yeah, and Clifford, you'd mentioned your your daughter a moment ago. Could you briefly talk a little bit more about the impact of your incarceration on on your family and your loved ones on the outside? Yes, that wow. Yeah, it, it definitely affected my family. You know, because I'm the my daughter. First of all, that I I left her. Like, basically, my father left me at the age of five. My father purposely left me. He moved to Florida after he got shot and stuff. But me, like, now I'm in prison. So I'm not physically there be it, to be able to be there for so all of before I came to prison. Like, I did work, and also I did work doing the wrong things as well, but I still was a provider for the, that short period of time for my daughter. So like I said, she's seven months when I entered prison. And so now I left my daughter's mother to be a single parent. And so the onus was on her to provide for my daughter. And so now my family, thankfully, I have a, a support group. Because like I said, I'm one of 10. I have a mother, my aunt and all that. They started picking up some of my slack. At some point, like, they helped out my daughter's mother, thankfully. Like, and even as far as like, they wanted my daughter to know me. So now... They would travel that hour drive to see me. And 
So I was going to bring my daughter, which is thankful because like um, many occasions they they used to tell me how they didn't like that traveling up there. They have to take time out of their schedule. They have to take off of work. They have to subjugate, subjugate themselves to the pat downs and and all the going inside an institution as a maximum security institution. You know that that. That affected them as well. I've been, I had these conversations with my mother and my sister, daughter's mother, you know, and then even my daughter, because they, since I've been released, like, she tells me how, like, she remembers going through this prison stuff. It affected them tremendously, but at, at the same time, it helped me and my family get closer as well, too. You know, strangely, it did, because now, like, when, uh, we're in the streets, you know, when you're doing the wrong thing, like, like the matter is, like, you're, you're being selfish. Even when you are providing for your daughter's mother and your daughter, you're still being selfish, you know? And now, like, like and being inside the prison and them and them coming to see me, it opened up my eyes to the support that I took for granted when I was, when I was in the streets, when I wasn't incarcerated, right? And, and that helped me. And since I've been released, now, like, uh, it's easier for me to listen to my family and not take them for granted and uh, and be and spend time with my family today. You know, so it, it, it was twofold. It has some negatives and also has some positives. Thank you so much for sharing that, Clifford. Yeah. And I was wondering if you could talk about now how, how you and Alex first met. Okay. Um, Alex first met because... um. I was in college. I had a 25-year sentence. Uh, around, it was not too long ago. And um, around my, what, the 18th year, I, I've been out of trouble for some quite some time in prison. Besides being out of trouble, I, I, was, I was working. Like, I'm not sure if a lot of your listeners know that like, every single license plate in the state of Connecticut is made in special correctional institution. Right? And I was in that factory for about 10 years consecutive, you know, right? And that's because I was staying out of trouble. I'm, I'm working. I'm doing all the right things to better myself, right? And right? so now I heard about commentations, and I, I heard about that because I actually read an article on um, Alex, uh, the, the work that he's doing in regards to commentation. And I and I and the individuals that he was representing were some of the guys I, I knew that I already knew and they was they were individuals that were had way had way better record than I had in prison. They know that, that was one of the guys was my mentor in fact, you know, to this day he's still my mentor, you know. Right. So then I got in touch with Alex in regards so he could represent me as far as the commentation. Thank you so much, Clifford. And now, uh, Alex, I and I know that uh, it's been a little bit since I've had you on the program, but I was wondering if if you could start off just by briefly giving a, an overview of the work that you do as an attorney here in Connecticut as it relates to incarceration and the prison system. Thank you so much, Mike, and thank you, Clifford, for sharing your story and 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 speaking tonight about um, everything that that you've done and. I want to thank you again, Mike, for bringing up the topic of commutations. 
uh, to introduce myself, my name is Alex Taubas. I'm a civil rights attorney in New Haven, Connecticut. And one of the areas where I have put my focus of my work has been on representing people who are incarcerated, uh, including in matters where people who have really uh, changed their lives and rehabilitated themselves but received a very long prison sentence, extremely long prison sentence, uh, should get a second chance at life and a possibility for an earlier uh, reentry. And so that's how I met Clifford and how I've worked with a number of people uh, who have, you know, committed serious crimes. And I know that there might be people listening who have been the victim of a crime and not, nothing here is meant to uh, minimize or n- not take seriously how damaging crimes can be. But looking at how people can change after committing a crime, we have been able to accomplish such significant rehabilitation in many cases here in Connecticut. We've tried to bring and give a voice to the possibility of a second chance. Thank you so much, Alex. And speaking of, yeah, and, and on the topic of second chances, and I was wondering if you could if you could briefly explain what a commutation is and and then actually if you could walk us through what the commutations process has looked like here in Connecticut over the years and where things are at currently. So a commutation of sentence is a form of the pardon power, although it, it doesn't co- quite pardon someone. They still have the felony or the criminal record that uh, it is affecting, but a commutation of sentence reduces the sentence or provides for a prisoner's release from prison. Or back when we had the death penalty, it would allow for a death penalty to be commuted to a prison sentence. And a commutation is issued in Connecticut by the Connecticut Board of Pardons and Paroles. A commutation in some form has existed in Connecticut since 1883, but for many years, um, including during COVID, it was a tool that was not being used by the parole board uh, to look at people, especially people who had long sentences, to see if they had reformed and it was no longer necessary for them to be incarcerated. But in July 2021, the Connecticut Board of Pardons and Paroles, under its chairperson, Carlton Giles, issued a new policy on commutations. And it gave people who, like Clifford, were very young at the time of their crimes, but who received a very long prison sentence, especially during the late 1990s and early 2000s in the tough-on-crime era, or who may not have had a great attorney or who may have had some other problem in their case. And it gives them a chance to apply for a reduction in their sentence through a commutation. And we have worked with people since the initiation of that policy in July 2021 and our office has helped 43 people uh, earn commutations of their sentences, reducing their sentences by over 750 years. That is truly incredible. Such powerful work that that you're doing and, and that, like you said, that uh, people are doing for themselves in transforming themselves and putting in so much work throughout their incarcerations, like Clifford. And, you know, Alex, you just mentioned that Clifford you know, uh, earned a commutation for himself. And so, you know, Clifford, I know that it was so much work and time that you put in to not just yourself and working on yourself and, and everything that, you know, your whole journey of incarceration 
in and of itself, but also, you know, the, the work and time and the effort that went into yours and Alex's preparation uh, in terms of applying for a commutation and then being granted a hearing and then preparing for your commutation hearing itself. Clifford, I was wondering briefly if you could just talk about what you were feeling, you know, going into your hearing itself, like what was going through your mind? I'm sure you, you saw it as a, as a really big opportunity and a, and a big moment. Yes, um, definitely. I thought of that. However, my feelings was all over the place because I, you know, I may have felt that I earned the right at this opportunity, um, of receiving compensation because Yes, I matured and I became a I became a better person. And I no longer have the the same destructive state of mind that I had prior uh, to my incarceration. So, however, at the end of the day, like I did seriously injure a, a man, you know, like so, like that that had me like my conflicting all over the place. Like, like I may feel like I earned it right, but you know. I, I did, like, there's a man that's out there that's injured. He has a family. Like, just, I have a family, like, like, so it was, it wasn't, it was tough, you know? But at the end of the day, I feel like I, like, I didn't have to speak my truth. And that's, that's why, and that's what Alex and myself began with, like, just speak my truth. And tell the person how I was, and and show them the person I am today, you know? And and I'm a person that today that, like, like I regret what I did, you know? Like, and I understand, like, the, the destruction that I caused, you know? And that, that's, how, that's how we went into this, and that's how to speak my truth. Yeah, and that was, that was in front of the Board of Pardons and Proles, uh, like was mentioned earlier, and how did you feel when you were when you found out that you had earned a commutation? Um. Yes, I. I. I'm. Yeah. Well, I doubt. I. I felt good. Like. Like. Wow. I'm getting this opportunity to be released. You know. This is. It's a wonderful feeling. But at the same time, like I know it was only the beginning. Right. Like my journey, that's when my journey really truly began, you know, because like, like they're giving me this opportunity to reenter society early, right? And I've been out of society at this point for 19 years, you know, like, like okay, now I got even double down even more. Yes, I've been preparing myself all these years to be released, now, but now they just they just let me know that I am being released. So, you know, like, now that's why when, like, thankfully I had support and all that stuff, and I just started readying myself for the day to be released. And like I said, like, I knew at that moment that's the beginning of my journey. Like, it's not going to be easier. Yes, yeah, I'm truly thankful for that, yes. And and uh, right now I've been home for 55 days, and I thankfully for my support system, I have a job already. I'm a license, little things like that, and I um, apply for um, a school. I start um, in a few weeks. I am I'm reentering society. Thank you, and I'm, I thank the conversation of the parole board for that. You know, congratulations 
to you, Clifford, and thank you so much for, for everything that you just shared. And yeah, congratulations to you. And, uh, and that's, that is so exciting. And in, you know, keeping all of this in mind, Alex, uh, on Tuesday, March 7th, a group of Republican state legislators held a press conference up at the Capitol in Hartford, calling upon the state of Connecticut to slow the commutations of prison sentences as a result of a recent increase in the number of commutations. I know that many around the state are now concerned about the future of commutations here. And so, Alex, I was wondering if you could talk about why that press conference and the narrative that is currently being disseminated about commutations by some is dangerous and what is important for people to understand. Well, it's really important that if people who are listening or uh, if they believe that the commutations should continue, that people should have opportunity uh, to show that they uh, have changed and earned a second chance at life, that they uh, counter that narrative by contacting their state senators, contacting their state representatives to let them know that they support uh, Chairperson Carlton Giles and the Board of Pardon and Parole's commutation policy. And they support second chances for people uh, who committed crimes a long time ago, who have served a long time in prison, uh, who have earned the possibility at a second chance at life. And um, additionally, you know, get up to Hartford. On Monday, we will have a public hearing on the reappointment of Chairperson Giles. And on Wednesday, we will be having a public hearing on a bill that would change the law and give people who were under the age of 25 at the time of their crime the opportunity to have a parole hearing after serving 60% of their sentence or 30 years in prison, whichever comes first. And for many people who are in prison who committed crimes when they were young, that bill, Senate Bill 952, which is going up for a public hearing on Wednesday, would be the only opportunity for them to get a hearing like what Clifford has had to give them a chance to have a second chance in life at some point. Now, Clifford got 25 years, so you know he knew at some point he would get out. But there are people who are serving life sentences who will have no opportunity at any kind of hearing unless we pass Senate Bill 952. So please contact your state legislators to support that legislation. Thank you so much for that, Alex. And, you know, going back really quickly, and we do just have a couple minutes left, but, you know, going back to that, that press conference and some of these, these really dangerous and I would say dehumanizing narratives that are being, being pushed by, by obviously not everyone and not every legislator and not every legislator of a, of a particular party either. But, you know, Clifford, as someone who has actually received rather as someone who's actually earned a commutation of your prison sentence, how would you respond to the idea that there are somehow too many commutations happening or being earned here in Connecticut? I don't believe that at all, that too many commutations are happening. First of all, living off my own experience, going through that process, I the, the parole board is doing a real thorough vetting system. They're not just giving anyone commentations. I and even I I know some of these guys that even received some someone some that still are in there hoping to receive some. They're in the individuals that they at least on that right end and it's up to the parole board and the, the commentation board that they put them through this process as a 
thorough vetting process. Like, even the person that I've been being guided by since I've been home, he was a guy that received the conversation um, well before me, and he's been steering me in the right direction. This is really, really important for people to, to understand and to hear that there is so much misinformation and, and just, you know, you know, just wrong ideas and, and things being spread, unfortunately, and just inaccuracies. And like you both have said, a lot of people maybe don't, don't have a personal connection to maybe don't know anybody that has ever been incarcerated. And, and, and so maybe the whole topic is, is foreign to a lot of people, you know? And so again, we have just a, another couple minutes, Clifford, I was wondering what is a closing thought or a closing message that you would like to leave our listeners with tonight about prison, about prisoners, about commutations? Um, I just wanted you to, you know, have the last word. I feel like the parole board is doing a, a, a thorough job and a good job. They're, they're not just releasing anyone. All right. And a lot of these individuals, some of them are, they they can come back and be, um, someone good in society, you know, and and a lot of them like myself. Like I was going to be released uh, eventually, like so they they pushed me out a little earlier, you know. That's not every case, but that are that is some cases. And I, I feel like they're deciding. They're, they're, again, I I stress their vetting process is, is very truly thorough, and that they are only um, seeing people that have that earned the right to, in the sense that just, they're not that they deserve it, but that they just get earned the right to, and they, they choosing the ones that, that have that prison record that they've been doing things, they've been mentors, you know, they've been working in prison and, and then they ultimately deciding and not just one person that's making this decision. And and before I go, I also myself like I this is something personally that's the kind of I was like like me like I'm from the Bridgeport area and everything and I know myself I I served twenty years ago nineteen years ago I served injured a man and like, I want to apologize to his family and everything like that's something I'm truly sorry for and that's all I have to say. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for for sharing all that, Clifford. And uh, since we do just have a, a, a little tiny bit left, uh, once more, Alex, could you just give that uh, that information on tomorrow and Wednesday for folks? Tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. at the Capitol Building in Room 2C, there'll be a hearing to reappoint Carlton Giles, the chairperson of the Board of Pardons and Paroles, and the current Board of Pardons and Paroles, and two new members of the Board of Pardons and Paroles. On Wednesday... And sign-ups are due by Tuesday. We will be having a public hearing on Senate Bill 952, again, at the Judiciary Committee. Senate Bill 952 would give people who committed crimes under the age of 25 a chance at a parole hearing, either after 60% of their sentence or after 30 years in prison, whichever comes first. And that would be uh, Wednesday at the Capitol, 952, and come out and show your support for giving people a second chance at life and giving people a chance to prove themselves at a hearing. Not all will get something at a hearing, but some may have truly earned that chance. Give people that chance to, to show what they are, who they are now uh, by supporting this bill and supporting the Connecticut Board of Pardon and Parole.